0: Games in the Bedrock blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone and Joel Clark, and we're going to be talking about the uh, the 1988 movie, The Unnameable. This is a uh, a film uh, directed by... I I don't want to even risk mispronouncing the director's name, so I'm just (laughs) going to say it was made in 1988. It's based on an H.P. Lovecraft story, and the film is about a group of university students that decide to stay overnight in a haunted house. I, I don't think that quite captures... The, no. the 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 movie's plot but you know that's it, one way to describe it uh so i don't know before before we get into our discussion what did you guys think of the movie was this also your first time seeing this film my first time saying
1: that yeah my first time as yeah. well
0: same mm. here same here i thought i had seen it but i realized i would never seen this film
1: i, I was seen... in high school when it came out it's kind of amazing to me that there's a lovecraftian horror film that came out in when I was in high school, that I never saw, but somehow it happened.
2: So I'm kind of surprised I never saw reruns of this on Sci-Fi or anything like that. I guess you'd have to edit it a little bit for that, but yeah, I never even encountered it at all. Yeah. Um, so, what did you guys think of it? Um, I really actually had a lot better time than I thought I would. It, it drags a little bit in places. Uh, but for the most part, it's a pretty tight little screenplay. Uh, they were smart enough to not do a whole lot of revealing of the monster uh, yeah. until very like the very, very end of the movie. And that made it atmospheric in a good way. Um, there was a lot about it that I unexpectedly really liked. And uh, although I don't know that it's super rewatchable, I I had a good time watching it. Um, you know, three out of five stars kind of thing, but in the middle of the road.
1: Yeah, I uh, I have very mixed feelings about this movie because um, I didn't know what to expect. I'd never seen it. Mm. It's kind of in an era where you're like, is this actually going to be Lovecraftian or is this just going to be a horror movie where they had the rights to something and they just mm. did anything? And it's somewhere in between that, really. But yeah. uh, and there are parts of it I genuinely enjoyed. There's clearly people that worked on this that are Lovecraft fans so, there's parts of it that I feel like kind of got there, but there are, like you mentioned, parts that drag. I mm-hmm. felt like a lot of this movie dragged. There's so many scenes of people just walking around the same hallway and the same two rooms of this house over and over and over. And there's they're just walking. It's like like the beginning scene with the Joel character and he's wandering. He's not looking for anything. So you're not like, is he going to find it? He's yeah. not finding anything interesting. So you're not, he's just walking around rooms for five minutes and there's nothing to engage you. And then later in the movie, when the second group shows at the house, we spend a huge amount of time with them wandering around the house and nothing happens. But aside from those scenes, it moved pretty well. It's just that, Oh, I, I just I feel like if you edited this down to about 45 minutes, like took half the movie out, it would just be like a brisk, nice little, you know, anthology horror episode of an hour long TV show. So,
0: yeah, I, I I agree with both of you that there were points that dragged because that was one of the, that was one of my mental notes while I was watching it is, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, whenever a movie starts to drag, you notice it that did go away after the movie really kind of kicked into gear. But it took a little while. It also took a while. I think part of the dragging, too, was in some of those scenes, I didn't yet care enough about the characters in question. Yep. And it wasn't until later in the movie that I start, like, you know, like, the, uh, I forget all of the characters' names, but there was, like, the girl, Um, I think. Tanya was, and Wendy? Tanya. Yeah, ta- Tanya and and Howard and Randolph were, like, the strongest characters, I think, in the movie. And, yeah. when, the, and when they were on, when they were in peril, I was immersed but when like Wendy and the two guys that were part of like the fraternity house is, is, as enjoyable as that could have been. Cause you can get a lot of entertainment from characters like that. It Some did. of it was, it, yeah, <laughs> there, there, there were moments, but most of it relied on stuff that was going on with Wendy and, or yeah. I'm sorry, with, with Tanya or, uh, and the only time I really enjoyed Wendy is when she went crazy and decided she wanted to kill people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, then she became interesting. But that that's kind of saying a lot that she had to go that far to become an interesting character to me at that point. Um, but I did yeah. enjoy the movie. I, I i would I would give it like a C plus if I were rating it. You know I mean? yeah. yeah, that's that's about, you know, maybe a C, but a C I, or a C I would plus. go
1: with a C. I mean, it's it's worth watching if you're a Lovecraft fan, because there is stuff in here. But it's like i said, well, it, it's a, it's, like I said it took a while to get going like yeah. after that joel stuff with him wandering around the house oh i'm like oh the movie's going again i'm I'm kind of into it and then they go to the house those other second group goes to the house
3: yeah that's
1: back in the wandering again and it's just like oh <sighs>
3: it
1: just keeps going back to that like near the end too you have uh joel looking for tanya in the house near the end it's like you're getting near the climax things have been exciting and oh no the two of yeah, them well, it's, are just it's gonna walk around the house for five minutes now
2: well, i i think that they were trying to rely on the scariness of being lost in a big spooky house Yeah, yeah. a lot more did it got, didn't the direction and even
1: the direction failed like beyond that part
2: yeah well, it, an episode of Scooby Doo understands it better than they did. You yeah. know, you have one yeah. scene where they're running around in the house, and you make it frantic. Yeah, because like that drives it home. But like, it just wasn't a good enough. House. It actually, the house reminded me. What was that movie we watched? uh Like, it was like you know, Devil Night or something like that. I forgot what it was called. Night where like a bunch of kids. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah a I, a I could. Well, that's a really good comparison. But neither the demons knew what to do with a haunted house. This yes. movie didn't. They that was just, a
1: much better movie, and uh, I'd also make comparisons to Reanimator with this
2: movie yeah. too.
1: They were oh, yeah. clearly influenced by Reanimator. But,
2: but, uh, undoubtedly, Randolph Carter yeah. had a lot in common uh, with. Well, he's with,
1: well.
0: Randolph Carter Re-West. is a character from H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, well, I
1: know, yeah. but he wasn't did, like, Randolph Carter from the book at all. Yeah, they were doing West, West for the, the movie yeah. version of Reanimator. It was, yeah, he, there was no Lovecraft in this
0: Randolph Carter. <laughs> Zero, he, but he, like aside from up. him looking vaguely like lovecraft i think you're right Like i think he kind of he kind of they got somebody kind of you, yeah. you're like if you're right. going to cast lovecraft i could see it but yeah he had like a very arrogant um i yeah i, I Ever, could see Ever the herbert west fine. reanimator yeah, yeah.
1: I, if, we're gonna, if we're gonna talk about the randolph carter character comparing him to herbert west in the movie reanimator herbert west in reanimator is a fantastic character he's a yeah. dickhead yeah. he's <laughs> arrogant he's a jerk but he makes sense. He's yeah. smart. You understand what he's doing. It's like I loved that character watching that oh,
2: movie. Absolutely. And that character. this
1: character is just a troll. He's a weaselly jerk ass. I, I liked
0: him though. Like I, I liked him too. I, I liked Elba the actor. The
1: I thought the performance was really good and the writing really let him down. It was cuz it's like it's like okay. He had like, one,
2: okay, good he had one have, really have, good line. What? He had one really good line, but aside from that I, he's the best written character by far, but yeah, well, even considering that, I would is... I would
1: disagree with that actually. Really, but, who's
2: your yeah. who's your standout best written character then?
1: Uh, well, here let me explain my problems with oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Go, with go him on. first. Now, now I
2: got yeah, to listen because I got yeah.
1: I mean, because basically the first the first few minutes of the story of this movie are basically the story without the ending on it, yeah. <laughs> and you know it's literally all it's a lot of the same dialogue and everything. even the bat
0: even the bat from the book is in there like a lot of little details are present yeah and
1: and in the story it's very much setting it up that that ran well it's not randolph carter in the story i'll just call him randolph for the sake because i don't think the character even has a name
2: in the story no he's just uh, the narrator
1: so in the story the randolph character is uh is is the one who believes in the supernatural. He's trying to convince the other people that it's impossible stuff is real. He's open-minded. And the other character is the skeptic. And here it's like, okay, they do that in the opening scene. Joel's the skeptic. Randolph's the guy who believes in the supernatural. And then the next scene, Randolph Carter shows up and it's like, oh, he's just trying to fool us. There's no supernatural, blah, blah, blah. I just keep, there's no consistency to his tone. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, well, people are like, oh, well, maybe it's maybe maybe it is just people playing a trick on us. Oh, don't be too hasty. It might be there might be more going on here. And it's just like all he does through the whole movie is just
0: he's just a contrarian. He's
1: just he's just a contrarian troll. And it's like I but it's that's just...
0: consistency number one. But number two, I think <laughs> I think uh, not... I also think it's not that much of a contradiction because. At the beginning, he's just saying these things are possible. But then uh-huh. being expected to believe that this guy got actually killed by a supernatural That's creature.
3: That's somewhat Because
0: you know, they do establish that the guy spends all his time in the library, that he reads folklore all day. And he has like, you know, he even says in the movie something like, you know, there's a kernel of truth to all of these stories. But th- but there's obviously like an elaboration. And so I don't think he was expecting there to be you know, obviously, when he when he does find the Necronomicon and all the stuff, he puts all the pieces together very rapidly because yeah. he's equipped to. But I think, um, you know, he wasn't. He, I don't think I, I think he just wasn't expecting it to be like that. I also think he was cowardly a bit. Do you know what I mean? I, I maybe mean, not he cowardly, cowardly? It, selfish, he seemed like selfish, not cowardly. S- selfish, selfish. Yeah. It... Yeah. Well, like,
1: the, the other thing, too, like the, the part the, here's the line that really made me hate him. I was just okay. like, <laughs> it was just like he crossed the line into it. you're just well, not not hate him. Sorry, but hate the writing of his character mm. was it's like, OK, you set up this conflict in the opening scene. And then then the moment, the moment where uh, where the, I think I think it's when uh, when um, uh, Randolph and Howard first run into Tanya at the house. She's telling you about the monster. And then he gives this sneering look. At, at uh at Howard and it's like, oh, would you say he's un un this unnamable? And it's like, dude, it's like Howard wasn't even the guy you're having this argument with. You scored no points <laughs> because Howard was the guy who didn't even give a crap about this discussion. He was just sitting, just sitting there. there. It's like, it's like for the movie to be like, Oh, look at that. And I mean, it just, well, that's, it just, that felt. is a line so, that
2: should have been delivered by Joel sarcastically to Howard, but Joel died way early in the
0: film. Exactly.
1: I don't think they should have killed, killed Joel off so early in the movie because it and kind I'm of like, undermined. Well,
0: here, here's what I think happened. I think number one, they, they split the two characters from the story into three characters, essentially, which uh-huh. is sort of like, what's that movie um, where, the, where the woman gets buried alive and the boyfriend ha- has to drink? Oh, the
1: cup of uh, should we say the title? Because that's a huge spoiler. I know no, the we title. should.
0: Well, yeah, well, like spoilers, <laughs> the vanishing, right? It was the vanishing. Right? Yeah. OK. So in the it. French version, there's two characters and 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 it's a much more morbid ending. Yeah. And in the American version, there's three characters, and that totally changes the ending because of the trajectories that the characters do. Yeah, go on. you're right. You know what I mean? Right. I have so, both
1: versions yeah. you're, you're correct so, about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so right. I think
0: I think here it's similar. I think they, they split them into three for a few reasons. Number one, they needed to kill somebody off right away to kind of because this isn't just a Lovecraft story. This is like Lovecraft plus slasher movie, is what this yeah. is, right? It's like well, it's a rubber monster Slashcraft. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they had to kill somebody right away. Also the 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 Carter character is obnoxious, so they needed mm-hmm. somebody who and and the skeptic would have been obnoxious too, so they needed somebody who was like the likable guy for people to get behind. You know I feel I mean? like the
2: freshman was way more like if you're gonna have a sacrificial lamb, make it the guy who wasn't arguing. But I think that maybe they thought that like and I as a if you were gonna write this, it'd be hard to write two characters that. Had an argument at the level they were having through the whole movie and still make that interesting to the audience and make their dialogue yeah. believable. and everything. so. They just removed half the equation and made the other guy just a mouthpiece for need to get said at the time. It's easier, yeah. right.
0: but also, this is a pretty hokey. I mean, I think we got into this, might even be one of our notes, but this is a pretty hokey movie. Yeah, it is. I think, it's Joel pretty hokey. Out. It's a oh, hokey, yeah, movie. It is hokey So, for lines like, you know, would you say it's unnameable? Um, yeah. I, 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 ga- I graved it on a big big curve because i'm thinking 80s slasher movie dialogue not like lovecraft dialogue
1: well it's it's not like i'm rating the dialogue on the quality it's more the intent <laughs> and what it's achieving hmm. like it's not that it's bad it's just i mean well going to the end of the movie it's like at the end of the movie he's Randolph is like, I've really seen it. The unnameable. And it's like, you were the one Read who believed it. in the unnameable at the beginning. Have you been on a journey to believe what you believed at the beginning of the movie? Cause you <laughs> went nowhere. Yeah, it's I- just like, it's like if it's, it had been Joel at the end was like, oh, I have really seen it, The Unable. Well, that would be a meaningful line. But it's like, okay, so you, you haven't changed at all.
2: You know, it okay. would have been so easy would, to make him do it too. Because I mean, think about it. Instead of killing him in the early part of the film, you could have thrown him into the same hell that Randall fell
0: into and have him crawl out at the end and have him go yeah, the line.
3: That, that why did they do that?
0: I don't think anybody really had much of an arc aside from like uh, Tanya and uh, Howard yeah kind of and it's not like anyone
1: needed an yeah. arc it's just that having him deliver that line was like it was he, like you're pretending he had an arc like you're trying to hope we yeah. forgot what he was like at the beginning of the movie and it's like no no
0: that's not I, really i saw lines like that more as like confirmation of his own area like everything that's yeah, about uh, that you're character right that, it's that, like that, when I, he saw I, I the necronomicon that. and he's like "Ooh," because he's like sitting there reading while people are dying during, uh, and <laughs> Not only that, but dismissing
2: the demise of his friends. Uh, Joel's yeah. dead. Yeah, that's expected.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> that was fantastic. That was
1: good. I do like, I there was a lot I like about this. I think the things that annoy me about this character annoy me more because this actor for a B-movie was doing a really good B-movie right. jerk performance.
0: Whatever one thinks of that, I, di- di- I think, I think we can all agree he was, elevated the character, that guy, the guy that did. was playing him, definitely Yeah. Did.
1: That's that's kind of why it annoys me is I'm like, man, I really want this character to be as good as Herbert West because he's so close. Just so close. It's
0: really close. It's like a breed of horror movie from the 80s. I call them like the psychopath movies where like Uh there's just a disconnect between all of the horror going on and people just, oh, yep that yep. happens Yeah, it's just people are rea- just people are reacting in ways that are either larger than life or muted to what's going on and it it yeah. it, it kind of makes it disturbing because you're like wait people are dying and you're not even <laughs> acknowledging <laughs> that people are dying
1: yeah i, I like, like i do like that element of the character that yeah, it, that is that works
0: into
2: the horror it's wonderful
0: <laughs> but um I, I we should talk about the s- soundtrack because um i know okay. we have a lot of, to get through on that one um Joel, you brought that up. So, what was your what what was it that made you want to talk about the soundtrack?
2: Well, uh, I brought up the soundtrack, and independently from that, I brought up the sound, like the foley, like the sound design of the movie, because they both they're really present in the film. Like the soundtrack and a lot of uh, a lot of scenes is really good. Like there's a scene where the camera is like kind of following, uh, Randolph through the school. And there's this, this wonderful, like suspenseful music playing. And there's a lot of moments like that in the movie where the, the score is really, I I won't say like, it's incredible, but it's solid and it's appropriate. Then there's other scenes like the love scene, which I was Mm -hmm. mentioning to you guys before the podcast, where like, it's, the The soundtrack is really airy. It actually reminded me of the love scene in the room where the music is way too ephemeral and light for like the really hardcore imagery that's going yeah. on on the scene. Yeah. I was like, that's yeah. a really weird contrast. It, and then it kicks in again whenever uh, the head rolls out and it turns into horror. It's like, oh no, there's the there's that sting of violin again. So I wanted to at least bring that up as an object of consideration. And then independently, I want to talk about how cool the screams from the monster were.
0: Mm i i i agree and agree even further than you because i think that the the soundtrack was pretty bad overall i didn't i didn't like any of the soundtrack um even the stuff like because even the stuff like it was tonally correct, like when, like when, when they were trying to be suspenseful and they were playing suspenseful music. It was totally correct, but it was not working for me for whatever reason. It was like
1: it was just generic '80s synth yeah. horror music. That's all it felt like to me. It was just like, yeah, they they asked, bought this by the barrel from the '80s '80s <laughs>
0: but, synth
1: soundtrack factory, and uh, that's what
0: it is. But I will agree that the worst offenders were those lighter moments where the music is like jumping or it's like, it's like really bad. Mozart is how I would describe it. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, (laughs) it's jovial and bouncing around and and airy, like you said. And, and you don't know why it's that way because it's like, wait, they're hanging out in the woods. Why am I hearing this weird ping pong ball music? That's just kind of, you know, I don't know. That didn't work for me, but, but even the, even the serious music, I you know what it lacked? It lacked like it lacked like a warm melody that would make me want to hear it again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's,
1: yeah. Um, I, I can't, I can't. If I tried to remember, ex- I mean, I've got a memory of kind of what it sounded like, but I couldn't. I can't hang on to anything
0: from that sound. Like long I mean, sustained yeah, it notes it doesn't have any character and harmonies. It was like yeah. yeah, you know, it was like yeah.
2: that kind of dun, thing. Dun, dun, dun. yeah, yeah. There was a lot of that. I, I think Adam's criticism that it's canned music is pretty strong, and it it again drives budget. home.
1: Yeah, I bet is, none uh, of it was written specifically for this movie. No, they just kind no of used way. some music that they could get rights to. Yeah, this, that this
2: is lowest bitter music. And it, it again, it kind of clarifies your, your earlier observation that if this was like an hour long or 45 minutes long, yep. it would be a really solid anthology horror entry. I think. Yeah, this
1: was like an episode perfect. of the 80s Twilight. Well, it wouldn't be Twilight. But Tales, from the, Tales from the Dark Side. It was the episode yeah, yeah, of Tales is, from the Dark like Side. It would be the great. Side
2: it would, so, would have been a classic episode yeah how yeah. <laughs> so unfortunate that they bloated it with all these weird b and c plots
0: yeah, yeah. now what about the uh sound design because I know you want to talk about that too i
2: like i liked the monster screams a lot i know that it was just a woman screaming and some like some weird synth put over it but it's so present in the soundtrack and it's done at such appropriate moments yeah and i like the weird suckly breathing sound um I like a lot of the sounds in this movie, and what I'd like to point out about them is they're not only effective at the movie; they're accurate to the source material. Uh, yeah. When sounds referenced in the little what is it eight-page short story of the Unnamable, these are the sounds that are mentioned very specifically. So mm-hmm. I like that. I don't yeah. have a, a deep analysis of it. I just thought it was cool.
1: I like the scream too, because when you first hear it during the flashback scene at the beginning of the movie, it's like, I thought it was someone screaming in danger. And you kind of realize, yeah. oh, it's the monster making that scream. It just it just yeah. creates a weird dissonance that the monster is making this kind of terrified sounding
0: scream. It's yeah. just. Uh, and that it, makes sense at the end of the movie, too. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. But uh yeah, I li- I, li- I agree with you. I think the, the one part of the movie where I noticed the sound and it didn't like it was in the library when it picked up on like the hum of the fluorescent the hum of a radiator. <laughs> yeah. I don't oh. know if that was intentional or not, but I remember that probably was kind not. of kind of, well, it could have been. But yeah, I think you're probably right. It probably wasn't. Um, but yeah, I, but, but I, I agree. The scream of the monster was a pretty cool uh, element of it. Um, and it,
2: it was like agonized. It wasn't like, ooh, spooky sound. It was like something that was in pain. And I liked that a lot. Again, that's reminiscent of Lovecraft's actual writing, where there, there's not necessarily an element of pathos to the monsters, but there's an element of like sincere, fleshy pain to them. Yeah. So
0: I guess, uh, you know, why don't we talk about the monster now? Because design, oh, yeah. we have a lot of topics for that one. I think we should try to get through them. Um In the book, <clears throat> It's. I mean, we could probably be here all day trying to explain what we each think the unnamable <laughs> is in the story. Well, um, let's, actually, let's ground this. I was thinking about this because
2: even though it's called the unnamable and it's about not being able to name the horror you see, we have to agree it's described with discrete elements: hooves, yeah. horns, this this yeah. like modeled eye that it has. Mm-hmm. Really specific thing, like in, impressively specific things, considering how impossible it is to describe it. And those elements make their way into the movie too. They do,
0: but in the book, when they actually encounter it, you get the hooves because there's hoof prints on them. Clearly, mm. clearly, um, uh, his friend gets like gored by this thing. But the uh, he also says like a slime and like eyes and like it's yeah. Some, yeah the classic, yeah.
1: craft description is to get like it's like a cockroach but feathered and you know it's it's you just put these things that don't fit together at all and create dissonance and i mean yeah the problem when you actually physically have to make it it can only be so dissonant you can't get the i mean that's that's the thing the movie can't show us something that well, no, that's what's kind of happen. funny.
0: the The movie kind of ends up taking the guy, the the scientists' point of view, almost in a way. but The only way uh, the
1: only way to be yeah. true would be to never show you the monster. But
0: I, I think that I think metaphorically they don't, but I think literally they do. If that makes sense, do you? Know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? like, but, uh, oh yeah, yeah. They, they,
1: they did. They did but, read the story and try and and make what was there.
0: But 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 what <laughs> I thought was interesting in the story too is that. He finds the bones of the creature. So this creature presumably has died. And then they say that it became more spectral. So whatever they encountered, I think at the end of the story, it was a more ghostly version.
1: Well, here's here's the thing. There's there's I, I should have reread it again today because I read it a week ago. Sure. Okay. But uh, there's a point in the story where they talk about it hadn't been talked about in a long time. There's this yeah. implication in the story that it's a monster that talking about it makes mm. it we'll manifest. And so it's like no one's talked about this monster for a while. It's disappeared. And the fact they're sitting here talking about it is why it shows up. That was something I I mean, the movie doesn't. So that makes
0: sense. That makes sense. That
1: that was something I really liked about the story is that it does have this feeling of talking about these things. Make it like an esoterrorist kind of sense makes things come true.
2: No, that makes That story is so fucking good. Yeah. Well, and like the brilliant thing about the story is that it's framed multiple times as stories within a story within a story, and it even is aware of the artificiality of its framework because it's yeah. it's told from a, a a an unnamed narrator's perspective, but it's also very clearly Howard's perspective. It's it's almost autobiographical. So even in his mind, it's being framed as a memory of this thing that he had, and it it intentionally blurs the line of fiction. Yeah. And that element of talking about it and thinking about it summons this horror is realized for the audience as we read it and we're swept along in the maelstrom of all terror or whatever he describes it as yeah. brilliant brilliant stuff literally yes. impossible to film
1: <laughs> yeah you could not this this is not i mean yeah they, they they could not have done this accurately as a movie they kind of had to go a different direction
0: But, but yeah
1: it's, the, it's the, a story it's a story about yeah. like,
0: <laughs> the other yeah. thing about it too is it um it kind of it's one of those stories that reminds you that the caricature of lovecraft stories doesn't fit the reality of most of the lovecraft stories when you go so back because this is like the furthest thing from like the plush cthulhu doll that is you know what I mean? like you know what i mean like like the, just I the, love this, by the way so. but you know what i'm talking about there's no, like, I, a, I, there's, I, like I a, there's like a there's a set of images people conjure when they talk about lovecraft and he's been reduced to that and then yeah I think it gets dismissed because of that, but most well, of the interesting stories don't really even deal with those things. In my opinion, you know, they deal no, with things one, more one, like this.
1: I mean, one, one thing, one thing people run into with Lovecraft is that because, you know, in the eighties, the way most people learned about Lovecraft in the eighties was through the role-playing game, mm. you know, which not many people knew about Lovecraft in the eighties. Yeah. So that's not a lot of people, but it was true. If you, if you ran into people who knew Lovecraft, they probably knew the role-playing game. And, all the tropes they'll tell you about Lovecraft are tropes of the role playing game that are not mm. present in Lovecraft stories like, oh, really. everybody dies in a Lovecraft story. Yeah. No, no, there's there's really. very few stories where the main character dies or goes crazy. Both of those things yeah. almost never happen to the protagonist uh, of a Lovecraft story.
0: So they do happen. You do. you do. There are some they, memorable they people. They get, or yeah. they wake up in a hospital, not necessarily an asylum, you know, but but I yeah Um, the
1: fainting thing happens but uh
0: there's a lot of fainting
1: but but the uh the person's permanently insane i mean no no i mean that's uh not a thing that that actually happens well like
2: whenever they're telling a story about the person it happened to very often that person met a dark end so like the the first hand account of the story that guy went insane or like in the call of cthulhu the character who is narrating it is doomed at the end of it there's some larger darker force that's working their are unmaking yeah. at the end of it um, yeah yeah, so no, yeah i
1: like i i think that was really good and the movie kind of ruined that but uh unfortunately even though the movie was otherwise good they had but, to ruin the ending
0: well, well, but what was interesting was the decision to make this a female monster i, I thought in yeah
1: movie. yeah that's i that was decision. interesting too
0: well and i was thinking about it and so here's here's my theory on why they did that and why I think it's metaphorically unnameable because I think the monster is like basically female sexuality. And Ooh. it makes sense when you think of like the beginning of the movie, you have this guy from the Puritan era, right? I think it was the Puritan era. And he's he's like locking his child in the basement right? They think it's his child or something. They bring, you know, whatever it is. And yeah, he wants to, to be a make a father-daughter
2: suit. relationship. so Yeah,
0: and so it's like he's... And so I think like metaphorically, it's like, you know, he's... He's like imprisoning, like the you know the 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 sexuality of the woman type of thing, right? Uh-huh. And then everybody that dies in the movie succumb to to, to 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 female sexuality in some way, like not the, Joel. He just dies. Okay, fair enough. Joel didn't. Joel, didn't. <laughs> the very first victim. <laughs> that business. ruins my whole theory. But it, uh, everybody had else, had for... <laughs> everybody else did. Um, yeah. The, yeah. I was ready to ruin your theory.
1: Joel's already ruined it. I can't even see it <laughs>
0: have sure, like a yeah, jaguar. I, I don't I don't know how to fit Joel into it. Like cuz he's he's in there briefly and there's not even there's not even like a hint of There's
1: another reason they shouldn't have killed Joel off so early. It's a uh,
0: it's right. I didn't even get laid first. I had to live up to the name jackass. But I thought that that was it. I thought that that made the oh. monster like oddly sympathetic at the end like just and i think that had to do maybe with the performance of whoever was playing the monster
2: good physical acting from that actress i'd like to point out i it clearly failed at being the unnamable. even the movie acknowledges that for the record yeah (laughs) Yeah. because at the end like randolph crawls out of hell Having another a different adventure we didn't get to see, and he's like, "Oh <laughs> down there, that was the unnameable,
3: unnameable.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, didn't, yeah, it's, it's-
2: you didn't see the unnameable. It's unnamable. let's let's move on. There's, where's the credits? Let's walk over there
1: <laughs> that's that that's a good point there. yeah,
2: so so it fails in that regard because it had to almost by definition. But for what it was for the rubber suit monster it was, it was interesting. Like it mm-hmm. was an interesting design and it did actually incorporate the elements from the story. So, yeah. I don't know, I get even points for it that it, yeah, it took stones to put that on the screen. It
1: is I, it is funny though that they do spend so much time keeping the monster off screen for over half the movie and the movie cool. poster is just a big shot of the monster.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that, I, but I, but that might but that's I don't know if you can fault the movie. That's like oh, you know,
1: no, you can't. Uh, that's barking people. Yeah. I just oh, I, I'm faulting that too. People
3: on that. Yeah, it, I
0: I did like the way that they slowly unveiled the monster and I was kind of worried that when they did unveil it it was going to be like oh god like a really bad looking you know practical effect demon but I it it was really it. effective
1: the of effects the were the effects overall the gore effects in this were well or, or. done i mean it's it,
0: and also did it did it not remind you a little bit of a chinese ghost story some of the elements oh, of this movie the tree the tree spirit coming in and atta- you know just like yeah oh since,
1: since we've got Chinese ghost story mentioned I noticed that's on prime again now so the oh, original Chinese ghost story so just just to completely off topic anyone who hasn't seen Chinese ghost story listen to this podcast it's on prime if you haven't go watch
2: it yeah okay. I- I also recommend it. It's one of the few movies on Prime I've actually purchased. And I showed it to my girlfriend, and I think the Taoist rap scene sold her on how great it was. <laughs> my, my, I, I, when I watch that movie with people, I don't know that it's the movie that impresses them. I think it's how much I love the movie that impresses them. So I'll just be <laughs> constantly talking about how great this scene is or what's great about this scene or what I love about that scene. It's fantastic. Hey, that movie
0: has everything. It's got mu- good music. It's got you know, great characters. It's got a really spooky, interesting story, and it's a very well-structured sort of tight film.
2: Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, Absolutely um, a masterpiece. Yeah. I love Chinese ghost story. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: so uh but yeah, yeah I thought, I, crap. Well, I just thought that that final scene, it reminded me a little bit of the elements of Chinese ghost story. Um, I think you're
1: right. And it was, it was, it was just kind of around kind of floating around the bootleg video scene in that around that time too. So it's entirely possible that, uh, they saw it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I was, it's one of those things where I was like, I, I mean, I don't know if they would have seen it or not because of the timing. Cause it's like, you don't know when it would have actually been available to them, but yeah, it seemed, it seemed pretty similar in some ways.
1: I, I uh, also got, I also got an evil dead vibe
0: too. Yeah. The trees. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I think yeah, I would agree with that. the two. I would say Evil Dead's the more likely uh, thing. It is it. But,
1: uh, yeah, actually looking at Chinese Ghost, that's 87. So 87. Yeah, really one close. one year really to close. reach the US, the you know, an 88 movie, it's like it's impossible it couldn't have been Chinese ghost story at that time. But, so
0: But also I just liked how I don't know, there was just something kind of tragic about this monster. Like the, even the way when she's actually when we actually see her attacking them at the end. It seems like she almost doesn't... Like, it doesn't even seem to be... Like, she knows what the purpose of the attacking is. Do you know what I mean? It's just... It's like a... Uh, well, it it's more very... of
1: an animalistic monster. Yeah. It's like there isn't... There isn't... I mean, it's like she's hunting prey or something for the most it, part. But it doesn't... Well,
0: there's not any... But it didn't even look like she was eating them, I guess, was my... No. It, it was, no it, but... It's
2: not clear what's going on with her. Because whenever her tree dad shows up to... Do whatever Puritan magic is happening at the end of that movie. I, I choose not to question it. He condemns <laughs> her in a moral dimension. He says that you renounced your human soul. I'm not really sure what the movie's trying to communicate there. Yeah, but but that's... also so I was, yeah, think,
0: that was weird. I, I was thinking about that too, but at the same time, that was a spell from the Necronomicon, right? So like it's not necessarily wholesome magic. That's <laughs> that's you know, like yeah. Yeah, I would like to point out that after
2: casting that spell, um, Randolph Carter descends into the underworld and only claws his way out because he's too so much of a badass for a movie this shitty to conquer him. <laughs>
1: we need him for the sequel.
2: That will never, yeah. ever happen. No, it did. No, there, there is a sequel. Oh, uh, was, was he in it?
1: Eight, oh, yeah. Two, the statement of Randolph Carter is what it's
0: <laughs> I, I have a feeling they must have known he was the breakthrough character of the film. I I he definitely did. was.
1: I I read I read briefly glanced the Wikipedia page and it said the short story is the first five minutes of this movie. I'm like, (laughs) oh, they did the same thing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yep. I mean, it's, it's, you know what it's like? It's probably like Evil Dead 2. They probably took a page right out of Evil Dead 2 and like put the first movie in like the first.
1: Oh no, no, the... no. The uh, the sorry, the, the, the actual story. There was a statement of Randolph Carter. They do that for the first five minutes of the movie and then they run out of stories, so they keep going for another hour and a half.
2: Oh, okay. okay. Well <laughs> I, honestly, though, okay. So we have to look at this in the grand scheme of Lovecraft movies that have been adapted successfully. And I'm yeah. talking about things like a reanimator, which although Schlocky is great. And does do the story and also kind of wraps it and does its own thing. And yeah. I think you sort of have to with Lovecraft stories. First of all, they're very minimalist. Uh, despite all of the the prosaic weirdness of them, they are kind of minimalist, A. And B, the way they're structured works best in a literary way. And they don't mm-hmm. translate well to the screen. So you kind of have to screenplay, like staple yeah. a screenplay onto them. And even yeah. good Lovecraft adaptations yeah. must do that.
3: Oh, yeah.
0: But that's what makes them so suitable to the screen, I think, because it gives the screenwriter the freedom to make a movie that's not chained to like the structure of a story. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Here's Uh. the problem, though, when you do because like, it's not always a problem. But doing the the putting the whole story in the first five minutes and then going on (laughs) the issues that created in this movie was during the first like the short story has this really good pacing of giving you the lore. You're getting this background Mm -hmm. fed to you piece by piece throughout the story, and it's really satisfying. In this movie, you get almost all the lore in the first five minutes, Then you get a little dump near the end, and the whole middle hour of the movie there's yeah. you're not learning
3: anything
2: yeah. and that's yeah the problem and that, for this kind that of pacing it, i think that's critical to the enjoyment of a lovecraft story because he yes. he drives you insane by degrees lovecraft that's his strength yes. as a horror writer like you just looking at the structure of how he makes his things he gives you a little bit of information to keep you interested and keep you horrified until he gets real real deep uh, yeah. Mattis does that, and one of my favorite ones from Beyond does that, and that's a really yes. good screenplay yeah. that knows how to do that. It it does yeah. the same thing Lovecraft does. It feeds exactly. you bite sized chunks of information. See, this and that even it.
1: that even it, from Beyond too. That actually is a movie where the first few minutes of it are the entire yeah. story, and it goes on, but it actually pulled it off. So yeah, that's I, that's why I kind of qualified my statement because I was saying, it, I'm like, I can think of a movie that breaks this rule and is good. <laughs> but
0: <laughs> well, I think general, too, it's a
1: risky thing to do.
0: And this one, I think what you're saying is one thing that they could have done easily is they could have just had all of that stuff at the beginning spread out as they're yes. all investigating the ho- house. They uh-huh. should have
1: learned, yeah. They should yeah. have they, putting the, I mean, I, I get they were just trying to make the same scene as the short story and that's fine, yeah. but they, it's, they used up all their gas right away. And,
0: right well, out and of also they they kind of already overwhelm you with this this introduction that you get at the beginning yeah. of the movie. And it's too dense
2: for an intro. Like a general audience isn't going to enjoy it the same way nerds like us enjoy it. First of all, and second of all, you're right. They run out of gas. They they use it all in big burst, and it doesn't come off well.
0: Yeah, and it and it gives a lot away. You know, it's it's very you know, so. Like I think what Adam is saying is like that stuff could have been reserved for later in the movie. Uh, Yeah, yeah. they should have. They
1: should have. They should have. I mean, yeah, yeah, pacing it out would have been way better. Because, I mean, going back to like, you know, the stories you're saying he feeds, pays stuff out. I mean, the story, The Call of Cthulhu, if you were to actually film what's happening in that story, it's a guy with a box he got from his dead uncle, and he's just going through papers in it. That's all. All mm-hmm. the whole story is just oh, reading this, reading this, reading this, reading this
0: for the most
2: it, part. It you know what it reminds me of. It reminds me of the adaptation of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein to the screen with a uh, what was it? Robert De Niro who played the. upon yeah, the, the, the ninety
0: four Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. It
2: was as early as ninety four? My God, they yeah. they do the same thing where they they literalize the narrator device. They actually started. In the Arctic with Frankenstein dying in a boat, which yeah. I thought was impressive at the time. But now that I'm reflecting on it, it doesn't really work in a movie, does it? Um, y- you kind of want the the old Boris Karloff Frankenstein because that
0: works better on film. The actual story itself and not the framing device. Not the, the framing of the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, and also it does it. does it does it in two ways because it also opens with Mary Shelley talking about having the waking dream and so there's so many layers yeah, in yeah that. i mean because, <laughs> i think framing it framing it is because brighter frankenstein frames it like with the uh the telling of the waking dream sc- scenario yeah
2: bright Frankenstein uh, was actually yeah. quite a quite a masterpiece i was surprised yeah. how much i enjoyed that
0: i yeah. think the the 94 frankenstein my my opinion of what made that not work was they they were in some places way too faithful to the story to the detriment yeah. of the movie mm-hmm. um in other ways, they they elaborated where maybe they should have not done so for the movie, and it was also miscast. Robert De Niro is a great actor, but he was an odd choice for the Frankenstein monster. Yeah, and uh, Kenneth Branagh, who's also a great actor, it just seemed like his ego was out of control. In the and that that, and also, and even like at the time, I liked John Cleese in the film, but now when I see it, I am not so sure that that was needed either.
2: Um, yeah. And yeah. it's tragic because I like all those actors so much. Mm-hmm. I think that it suffered from a a pretty agonizing lack of direction and like a lack of vision. I don't think anyone yeah. involved in that product had the same kind of like fire in their belly that like the Dino De Laurentiis Dracula had. Yeah. Um, that that movie, it hits you in the guts like someone loved the source material and they loved what they were doing. And that passion's so clear on the screen. Yeah. And Frankenstein feels like a bunch of tired, overworked people being forced to do something on a, <laughs> on a bad budget. I, we like,
0: got
1: to follow up Dracula now. So all I, right, I guess we'll do Frankenstein.
0: Oh, hey. The way I look at it now is it's like, we've got Patrick Doyle doing the soundtrack. We got Kenneth Branagh directing and starring. We have Robert De Niro we have what's uh, Tim Burton's wife. What's her name? Um, oh, yeah. Hello. Uh, Helena Bottom Carter. Bonham Carter. Um, I'm sure there's somebody else that we got. John. Fleece. How could it we, be bad? Yeah. yeah. I can't leave you it go do bad. what you want to do with this. This is going to be great. And I think that's I mean, I don't know. That's just my guess yeah. as a viewer. That's sort of my pet theory is just like it was maybe too green lit because of all the all of yeah. the all of the things that were in its favor. And then
2: you needed and, someone very critical to look at it and say, OK, this doesn't work and we need to figure yeah. out what will work.
0: It, um, it needed like some restraint it just was i don't know it, it was like is, fucking, vision. i, I haven't is. seen it since
1: 94 too so i i, I can't no. get too specific in my criticisms but the reason i haven't watched it since 94 was i was so excited about that movie and mm-hmm. just so colossal oh. disappointed i just never thought about that again.
0: I, I think also i think the guy who played uh bilbo baggins and um uh, the android and alien was also what's his name you know oh, oh i know who you're talking about yeah i think he was the father of frankenstein in it um, i
1: don't remember you're... that but that's interesting. i could
0: be i could be wrong i no,
2: might be remembering be right. the wrong actor. we, uh, we may have to. that may have been one of the next stops on the horror express because like i kind of feel like there's some gas in this discussion yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i i would like to take another look at it because i i barely remember and even if it's not that great it would be
3: a,
0: would be a good topic so. I
2: think so. But yeah, okay. So bringing it back to, to the discussion of the well, movie yeah. that we did watch. So,
0: so one oh, thing yeah. that I also like about this movie is the way that books work in the story. Just like the the, the power <laughs> of books idea in the film. Oh, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. I, I, I liked that. I liked the... Uh, um, I liked that scene. I liked the props they were using. The book props I thought were very... The, the props was great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. They were huge,
2: like tomes. The only yeah. thing that I disliked about them was that the pages looked a little too clean. I know. Was I really it was the same thing. It's like, oh, and rats. They didn't want to mess up their expensive book props. Mm-hmm. But...
0: I, I think a lot of times in newer movies, when I see books, they're a little overdone or something. And these looked more like books that yeah. you find in an old library. You know what I mean? They look more they like real look books. Like books. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So, and, and I don't know, just something about, uh, you know, the Carter character flipping through this and studying it and trying to solve the problem. Uh, and just getting uh, like,
2: like frustrated and distracted whenever people would come up and talk to him about like his friends dying, like, no, no fuck off. I'm, I'm learning spells. This is important. <laughs> First of all, I loved that because it was sincerely charming. And second of all, I love that because it really did make it feel like a Call of Cthulhu game. Because so you always have that yeah. one one player <laughs> who's like, I find the Necronomicon and I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to read it until I have a spell that gets us out of here. Yeah. And, and I love
1: For Brendan, the... it's Dan. Dan Orkut's the guy who does that.
0: Slightly. <laughs> <But>, uh... <laughs> I probably have a few players that like that, but yeah, he's probably one of them. Um,
1: yeah, um, I have a few. But I just said yeah. what we both know. I was like, oh, yeah, he's a. Uh... Well, going back to,
0: yeah. Calling you out, Dan. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's a compliment because that's, what, that's yeah. like a smart no, move that's, for a player. That's like
1: I, uh... I, no, go, go, I, I, A conversation we had before the podcast where I was talking about Cthulhu players, and I love it in the game when you get to the point in a long campaign where the players have all learned the magic and they're trying to use Lovecraftian magic to do good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always <laughs> terrible. Dan's the guy you can count on who's just going to do really terrible but attempting to be good stuff with his. Master. I think
0: to to That's to reinforce that spice, point man. when I when I made uh uh strange tales of songling, I think his character might have been <laughs> the ritual master. I could be wrong. Uh-huh. Um, I, I
2: played a ritual master in one of your games, and I inadvertently chose all your trap spells that don't do anything, <laughs> and it was still one of the funnest characters I ever played. I, I honestly really had a good time playing that. So,
0: but. Uh, And so, yeah, if you need a system for the unnameable, maybe. (laughs) Um, For your consideration,
2: Strange Tales of Song Ling, written by any award-winning author, Brendan Davis. I'm not, oh, I'm going to be jealous of that until I die or win in any. So
0: probably (laughs) death. But but yeah, so I don't know. Anything else on this movie? I I think we went over every topic. Um, I think we got it. There
2: there wasn't a whole lot of meat on the bones of this thing.
0: The house looked pretty authentic to me. I thought that was kind of nice. I don't know what it was doing on a beach. It looked like it was on a beach. Uh, I, I I was wondering if it was like one of the houses from one of the, like they have like uh, like villages around here that are kind of like reenactment places. And sometimes they're, you know what I mean? Sometimes they're in odd places like near yeah. a near well, like a, be a touristy place where I mean, yeah. tourists are going to go. Yeah. So that so, makes sense. Or maybe there's a house I don't know about that's, I did like
2: the look of the house. I I will say I I think I'm a little more forgiving of the getting lost in the haunted house scenes than you are, Adam, because like I actually did like that they used the space. I think that those scenes did drag ultimately, but I think it's because of the addition of more characters than was necessary. There were two frat boys who literally just walk up in the middle of the movie with no other introduction, and the camera just follows them for the next half of the movie until they are corpses. Mm -hmm they the douchebags in the movie.
0: movie they're the, they're the douchebags yeah. you're not supposed to like. Well,
1: here's, um, here's the thing for me. It's like if you're going to spend so much time walking around a house, I like it when a movie gives you a sense of space, like you're learning. You're learning, oh, there's this landing here and these stairs are here. And this is relative to this. And you're kind of, you know, if people are walking around the house and you're getting a sense of space in a way that's going to be relevant. It yeah, can be really interesting, but... It was just like, OK, we've got these three sets. and We're going to walk around these sets over and over and over again like an old Doctor Who episode. Right. I, and,
0: think, yeah. I think it was also coming from an opposite school of thought where it was trying to obfuscate what yeah, the layout of was, the house was. I, I to think the it was trying yeah, to, exactly. they were trying to and, make
2: it their... you feel like claustrophobic. And I think it did do those things. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it did. I mean, the claustrophobia works, but that worked after a minute. And then I'm like just feeling increasingly like I'm
0: in this little space. Nothing is happening.
1: And I've been claustrophobic for 10 minutes now. So I got to actually do something scary? uh, I got to
0: take the centrist position on this because I feel (laughs) I agree that there were moments that drag. Well, no, no, for real. (laughs) There were moments that dragged in the house sequence. Where I was like, it needs to really pick up the pace. Something is not working here. But there were also moments in that house where it was a very spooky, especially when you knew the creature was nearby. Do you know what I mean? Well, Those when moments you were,
2: know, when you didn't yes. know where the creature was, and the and the people in the yeah. house, the creature was. It was scary. It gave you way too much certainty of where she was later on in the film, which yeah. hurt that. I think. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, no, it. Okay, uh, okay. I have
1: yeah. to. I have to agree. Disagree with your comment on centrist though about Brendan being a coward because I like. I like people. It's like, oh, you're a coward. You're just taking, staying in the middle, and it's like, no. If you're in the middle, everyone who likes everybody this movie hates, hates, you. hates you, and that's everybody true. who hates this movie hates you, and it's like, it's like <laughs> the position where everyone's gonna punch
0: you in the face.
1: So That's a good point. That's why, okay, that's so why so I'm just thinking coward. This movie you just
0: didn't a
3: okay. this
1: movie, so I can at least know a lot of people will agree with me.
0: Like, yeah, because you'll get all the haters on board with you, Joel. Yeah. Get all the fans and okay. then and neither neither, Brennan, group's, as everyone, neither group's
1: gonna yeah, like brennan's him. wishy-washy yeah, yeah. he's trying to get everyone to like they, him take I a stand on the unnamable
2: <laughs> okay so brave but stupid that does really map to your character so
0: okay well that's that's going a little too far i think
2: <laughs> you're right yeah. i maybe maybe just the stupid anyway let's move on <laughs> yeah. before you before your slow slow thought process catches up to me okay, <laughs> Okay, okay, that was mean. But speaking of your slow thought process, we didn't get to my favorite discussion that we need to have about this film, which is the discussion brought up in the unnamable, which is like, is there the unnamable? Like, does it oh, does yeah. something so horrible that you can't describe it exist? I'm actually curious, because they, they bring it up in the movie and they they poke fun at it a little bit, but they also they like you were saying earlier, and I'm I'm proving myself wrong about you being stupid, because you brought up a great point. The movie <laughs> takes the side of of uh, Carter in that he the it believes there is the unnamable. It really does think that. And it, mm-hmm. it, it makes it clear about that. But it then yes. shows you everything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I said it's literally.
2: And proves itself wrong in that regard. Yeah. But just yeah. because it failed at proving its thesis and kind of inadvertently gave evidence to the other side doesn't mean it disproved its thesis. So I'm curious yeah. about your guys' yeah. perspective.
0: So again, I would fall back on what I said, which I think literally they are saying, yeah, you can name it. You can, you can describe what we're showing to you. But I think they're saying metaphorically, it's something much deeper than that, that you can't name. Do you know what I mean? So I think yeah. that's I think that's what they were trying to do.
2: Well, OK, so do we have to literalize this to make it legitimate? I, I feel like we do. I oh. think the, the the argument is, in essence, one of human language being incapable of conveying something that's, that can be at least experienced and processed.
1: Here's, here's one place they went wrong though, as far as trying to adapt it, making it harder on themselves is by making the monster a physical thing, because
3: in the story,
1: it's a spectral creature. It's something you see through a window. I mean, it can't have a physical effect. It does attack our characters, but it's a ghost. It's essentially a ghost of a monster and they made it a monster, not a ghost of a monster, which makes it a much more physical tangible thing. And yeah. I mean, you know, doing the ghost of a monster requires a bigger budget than they probably had or at least more trickery and cleverness, but
2: well it's it, it almost seems like a quantum monster in the in the story because yeah. it, it's described in I think what what you were saying Adam like contradictory terms, things yeah. that can't be at the same time. And the the thing that makes it unnameable, like beyond human description, is that we're kind of able to see whenever we're interacting with the thing that super in position in a way where human language not only fails, but it mm-hmm. might be designed such that you can't help but fail. You kind of collapse the quantum state if you tried to describe anything concrete about it. But yeah. it's not that. It's whatever is between those things. However, again, I'm describing it here.
0: So <laughs> I mean, I like, think I think this movie chose to lean into the horns and into the hoofs. I think that's essentially what it chose to do. <laughs> yeah. And, and then it, a, and then and like it's I, I said, a monster it, green light. Well yeah. though, and then it shifted all the other stuff to like the metaphorical level, which I think I think is a fair way to do it. But in terms of whether that's actually like if you're asking, can something really be unnameable? I would agree with Lovecraft. That if something is so unfamiliar to you, you will not have the words to describe it adequately. Do you know what I mean? And, well, and there may be things about it that are not measurable by, you know, our means of measuring things. So, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think... Uh, well, here,
2: even if you do, language might fail to convey the reality of it. Like, yeah, for that, example, I was thinking about John Carpenter's The Thing a lot. And I was like, if you uh-huh. wanted to do the unnameable, they did a pretty decent job of making yeah. something that... I yeah. really, str- I mean, as a writer, I struggle to describe that in a way that conveys the experience of just yeah. seeing it.
1: Seeing it. And that's, once again, though, they had a, a, as I said, the special effects budget on this movie was not up to it. The Thing yeah. is a movie where the special effects are up to the task. So, yeah, but. Because
0: uh, cause I can even think of like insects and stuff that I've seen where it's like I wouldn't be able to describe them to you so that you would get a mental picture of them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But back
1: when I back when I read the story last week, it occurred. I mean, I was thinking about this because, I mean, the story is very much Lovecraft kind of people keep complaining about me having unnameable things or undescribable (laughs) things in my story. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a sign of how like Z like magazines back in the 20s and 30s were the Internet and it was just where nerds argue, Mm you know, and so this is a nerd argument. And I, the thing I found reading the story, I'd forgotten this story when I read it. I don't think Mm -hmm. I've read this story since the nineties. And I was just like, Oh wow, this is really fascinating reading this now. And it's, it's it's it just because on the internet whenever you have you have these you used to have these Call of Cthulhu arguments all the time. We're like oh, Call of Cthulhu this. isn't scary because the scary thing in Lovecraft story is that the universe is unknowable and there's no God and I already know there's no God and that it's meaningless and so I'm totally fine and it's just like
2: I'm an internet nihilist an, from the nineties. I'm <laughs> cool to feel fear.
1: Yeah, yeah i'm an internet tough guy and nothing and that was me. so me
2: in the 90s so and yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I i everyone, everyone
1: does that and it's like it's like no but i mean, the thing i would always bring up it's like it's not like it's just the fact that the universe is meaningless a character yeah, goes boy the universe is meaningless oh i'm scared it's like they're being Ooh. confronted by literal expressions yeah. of this it's like
2: yeah i uh, and, and Tell yeah, me you're a guy also in front of a screen without telling me you're a guy in front of a screen. His, sto- you know? his stories yeah. aren't
0: atheistic. They're just not Judeo-Christian. Like they have there's 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 magic in these stories, right? Like there's there's so
1: I would say they're a, They're not unsupernatural, but I would say they are atheistic. That would be because I mean, L- L- Lovecraft was very much an atheist, outspokenly so. No, you know, he, really he wrote was, there was that book he but, was writing with uh with Harry Houdini, all about oh, yeah. atheism. So. You but know, you have
0: supernatural creatures in it, though, is what I yeah, mean. But, oh, yeah,
1: but well, theism for me is there's a God and he has a plan. The supernatural means there are things we don't understand. But what I, <laughs> when I read Lovecraft.
0: Law, and it's, so and that it's, you, could,
1: you could have atheistic supernaturalism, in my so,
0: opinion. So here's my view. On, and again, it's been like I'm, I'm just coming back and rereading Lovecraft and I haven't read him in a number of years. So, mm-hmm. like you know, aside mm-hmm. from like the reanimator last year when we did the reanimator movie. So yeah. I, I caught my my. my I'm not as boned up on Lovecraft cosmology. So maybe I'm forgetting something crucial. Sure. But I feel like he has a very, um, you know, like a view of where the universe itself is almost like a deity of some kind. Do you know what I mean? There, there's, there's will in the universe that is yeah. larger than human. I see. Um, so, You're
1: saying there's a kind of uh, yeah. animism to the universe.
0: Yeah. So that to me, I mean, that's a theistic Position that's not a um atheistic mm-hmm. position because the atheist would say no there's nothing there's just physics right you, there would be no will behind those physics and no no ancient I don't know. below the ground that demand we use Eldritch magic well here's
1: but, no but here's the thing I mean we're we're in an early Lovecraft story yeah in this this story it's relatively enough. early Fair so. When you get further into Lovecraft, like Call of Cthulhu at the Mountains of Madness, Mm. kind of the archetypal Lovecraft stories. I mean, I the thing I took away when I read Call of Cthulhu Mm. is, oh, the Call of Cthulhu cult isn't – Cthulhu isn't a god. He's this alien being, and people worship him as a god Mm. because they're crazy, and they pick up these random radio signals in their brain. But their magic (laughs) is nothing. They didn't wake Cthulhu up because there's all – everything – you know, people like people running these role-playing games or doing movies and stuffs. Like, oh, they're doing a ritual. This ritual is gonna wake Cthulhu up, and we've got to stop him from doing the ritual. The ritual, and that is nonsense. A bunch of sailors show up on the island. They bug Cthulhu. He goes back. He's like kills them. Goes back to sleep. <laughs> it's like you know. It's just I. I, I don't know. I just I think the idea behind Call of Cthulhu is these are all cargo cults. All the cults in Cthulhu, okay, and Cthulhu okay. books are just cargo cults. There's no truth behind them. So there's okay. no actual religion there. It's um, imo- but, and I mean,
0: uh, but what about stories like this or stories like the thing at the doorstep where you have like magic that works, right? You have well, like, here's you know the I mean?
1: thing. It's also a falsehood to say there's some unified cinematic universe behind
0: all. Yeah, that yeah, that's, that's a fair point. That, even when I, he
1: uses, even when he uses the same names, he'll use the same name from one story to another, as some being, and it's totally different. It's like, oh, this monster's a, a ghoul in this one, but then his name means it's a god in this other story. And
0: but but I guess that's sort of what I'm. But what I'm getting at is like there are a lot of his stories do have supernatural things that don't yeah. have uh you know like alien explanations or technological explanations or they're a blend of science and magic do you know what i mean like like Uh and again i think the thing at the doorstep is a good example because it's that blend of there's like science academic knowledge and ancient magic coming together to do this mind swap thing um but there's also kind of like an almost undead type creature in the story too so uh i don't know i i just feel like uh To me, like, I understand why, why uh, and this is just to me just trying to support your point that like atheism doesn't buffer one from the terror of Lovecraft because Lovecraft's universe is inhabited by things that an atheist would reject. Do you know what I mean? Like i would an atheist i I, I, yeah. I think
1: you're good I, I like i said i i draw a distinction between theism and atheism and supernaturalism versus naturalism i don't think okay. they're the same thing at all it's like
0: okay you
1: know i mean saying there's things in the universe we a human can't understand and they're just beyond them isn't theology it's, it's this reality
2: it's just, like you, you just kind a, of have to come just, to the point where you accept that there are things beyond what you can process as a, as a tiny human being in this okay giant, see i would say I, I think
0: you're getting into i mean i guess we're we're probably getting way too down the rabbit hole of no because we're, because we're right in, in the rabbit just hole i would say but to me that's like a, that's on the cusp of of religion when you get there do you know what i mean cuz like religion cuz religion is you're trying to control things with supernatural means do you know what i mean like it's it's not just oh there's a a creator deity but, yeah, that,
1: and my point is that you can't control things in Lovecraft. People think they can, but they're fooling themselves, you know? I mean, it's like, and I mean, he has really barbed attacks on religion. I mean, like, Dunwich Horror is just, it, it's I just know. a mockery of the story of Jesus. I mean, like, beat like, little... But, but well, it's... In the I mean, festival is it, a perversion of It's got of the whole thing with him but, calling for his father on the mountain as he's killed, and there's all these little things No, in but
0: that, that's why... But that's yeah. why I'm saying he's non-Judeo-Christian. He's definitely like because here's the thing. I think a lot of the like I used to read a lot of things like um, Bertrand Russell and stuff like that. The like the athe- a lot of the atheist literature. Yeah, I don't care the, about those yeah. people. But but but, but the thing about. is, I put I put Lovecraft into a similar category of uh-huh. thinker. But I think sometimes what they what they what they do is most of their attack of theistic positions is, is an attack against like a christian viewpoint and not other types of theology do you know what i'm saying so
2: hmm. i so well, i mean I, okay so
0: i think that's a good point
2: because there is something transcendental and ritualistic and even yes, human controlled yeah. in the dunwich horror because he's ultimately banished by a magic book and there is a god but how horrible is it that there is a god in the Dunwich Horror? How terrible that it can be made flesh with with a human woman? Like, yeah,
0: okay, okay, you see what I'm saying? So I'm saying it's not like, yeah, like he's he's clearly rejecting like you know mainstream Christianity, say from the you know the period that he was there, but he's not rejecting all of these supernatural things that I would expect somebody who's like a '90s nihilist, like you were saying, to not be afraid of. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, well, I also don't so, think
2: that the '90s internet tough guy is the end point of uh, atheism. So no,
0: no, I'm just saying, there's I have, more nuance what to I, it what that. I, what I, I'm not. I'm not. Say, I'm not applying this to all atheists. By the way, what I'm saying is there was. There was. I. I. I recognized instantly I, the I, argument. I want to
1: stay away I'm, from the topic of atheists because atheists. It's just. Yeah, it's that's like, a lot more
2: unifying than the reality.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just the anytime you hear people talk about atheists, it's like they always pick people like Bertrand Russell, and I'm like, oh, I don't want anything to do with.
2: Don't that. associate me. With <laughs> uh, no, and so I'm, not, I not, love so. that you're just immediately flat out rejecting Bertrand Russell. You're like, no, don't, don't let me with him i'm a good atheist
1: atheism (laughs) is a not it means you're not theist it's not a thing say it's not being a thing so it's like defining there's no definition for atheist aside from you're not a theist no correct uh,
0: but what i'm saying is there is like a there's like a superficial understanding of atheism that is uh i'm not a christian do you you see what i'm saying and so i think the person that you're dealing with on the internet that you were talking about is that that's what i'm that's what yeah. i think you're well, i think again. they're further
2: down than that i th- i do think sincerely believe that they're nihilists and they've come to the realization that nothing has inherent meaning which i mean is true what's the meaning of a rock but they've not yet gone past that and realized that as a purely subjective being they can kind of create even like like a meaning that is real and true to them like maybe that rock means something to you Mm -hmm. That's sincere. That that is real in terms of human experience. So like they haven't gone that far yet. And what and the reason is because they're behind a computer screen and they don't go outside and touch grass like a normal person. But if they had ventured outside to touch grass and they'd done things like I'd done the last couple of years, like climbed a mountain for the first time, or saw the ocean with my own eyes for the first time, or flew in a plane for the first time, and they were terrified and thrilled by those experiences. You know, that's
0: interesting because I I've lived by the ocean my whole life and and like, I just realized, like, if you haven't lived by the ocean your whole life, oh, yeah. it's, it's going something to see else. the ocean is like an experience. It's uh, fantastic.
2: I I'd never I don't think I'd ever seen the ocean. with my. Rather, I rather I remember when I was four, I went to Florida with my parents. I don't remember, but apparently I played in the ocean, but I'm in Alaska now. So I'm like, this is the other ocean that I'm
0: looking at. I'm uneasy if That's... I'm too far inland for too long a period of time. Like, if I'm not yeah, by right. a coastline, I start to yeah. get uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, being um, from Sydney, I mean, I lived in the Midwest for a huge chunk of my life, but most of that I spent in Chicago, so I could be next to Lake Michigan, which is oh you, yeah, which like is quite some. Ocean. Mm. <laughs> so. I kind of cheated when I was in the middle of the country.
2: I'd forgotten how big those lakes were until uh, ah, yeah. until very recently. My girlfriend yeah. reminded me of just the size of the Great Lakes, and I'm like, oh yeah, they are like little in seas, aren't they? Oh.
1: Yeah, I live like six blocks from the lake and I could just walk down to the beach and look at the big empty space to feel feel calm again.
0: <laughs> but but my point was just that there are things in Lovecraft to be afraid of. Even if you don't believe in the supernatural or you don't believe in, you know, like Yeah, yeah well, you know I, I mean? guess
1: I guess for Thea's, like I said, just just to wrap up, I'm not yeah. trying to continue the discussion, <laughs> but just just to kind of clarify a point is just for me theism, there needs to be some kind of guiding principle behind it. I mean, just saying there's a Yogg-Sothoth out there who's bigger than us isn't theism because (laughs) Yogg-Sothoth doesn't mean anything. He's just this thing that can spit stuff out or move things between worlds, but he's he doesn't have a plan or I don't know. It just doesn't.
0: But you could have, you could see, I guess for me, I think that would still, it's just theism of a deity of chaos that doesn't have any,
1: well that's yeah I mean it's it's a difference we're we're kind of going through different we're, definitions we're, I know what we're you're saying and you're running I agree up against it but I I I don't know. <laughs>
2: well and that's the thing like what what I think is very fascinating about Lovecraft is he kind of mocks even the 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 root of the concept of religion because he makes it mm-hmm. very literal like you're saying Adam he makes gods that conform to our definition of god that in no way like they, they don't do
0: anything that a religious person would want, right? They're yeah, there's n- none of the nutritional content,
1: content you want from beyond the
0: people. Well, well, <laughs> well, one thing I will say, I think a religious person would have more to – there would be more discomfort if you're reading Lovecraft and you're religious. Do you know what oh, I mean? yeah. Like, like oh. I just, I just read the – He's trying
1: to make you uncomfortable yeah. if you're religious. So I, like,
0: like I reread the festival recently. That's the first Lovecraft story I ever read. And in that story, they go – I think it's actually St. Michael's Church in Marblehead, which is like a church I know. <laughs> And they go into that church, and then they like go down these steps into like the caves beneath, you know. And it's Kingsport in the story, but beneath Marblehead. Yeah. And then there's like a spiral staircase, and then you know there's like these winged beings down there, and you know it's like the and, and it's it's also taking place during Christmas, uh, but it's it's like a perversion of the of, of Christmas mass, you know. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Legati does
2: stuff like that too in his writing, like R- Ritual of Masks or that one where it turns into worms at the end. Um, oh, what was that one? Yeah. Last piece of Harlequin. Last piece of
1: Harlequin was the yeah, first yeah. Legati story I read. That is
0: that is
2: great. And it's clearly inspired by stuff like the Ritual. Like he he's oh, super yeah. inspired by Lovecraft.
0: Well, I but think yeah. that's, that's the other thing when people say that. Obviously, like like he influenced Stephen King. He influenced Legati. He influenced so many. Yeah. So many, like I don't oh, think oh, there's yeah. any modern
1: thing. looked at Lovecraft and looked at King and said, You know, you know what Lovecraft needs? He needs clowns. That's
2: what
0: it <laughs> More puppets.
2: More puppets. Oh. Yes. So but, but,
0: but oh, oh man. The this thing that a... this movie doesn't get that I think the story does get is the what would you call it? Like the the way that he makes landscapes feel alive and yeah." Of, he is—he is, he so is an
1: excellent story. landscape writer. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I mean, I, like obviously a lot of some of his stuff is a little on the purple side, but I find a lot of Lovecraft's writing really is genuinely good. I mean, I—it's mm-hmm. uh, at least it is later stuff. So, I uh, yeah, I think
0: I, I, people, I, think, it's a, I, I think, think purple prose gets like a bad rep too these days. I yeah. agree. Yeah, it, like, it's, uh,
1: it's a thing that goes in and out of fashion. It's like, yeah. oh, everything written in the 1800s was
0: bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, here's this what involves, I was thinking about, because awesome. when I was rereading this story, one thing I was noticing, I was like, huh, I have to kind of reread these sentences sometimes because they're so yeah. long. Do you know what
2: I mean? Well, now, they're long and they they are surprising. They're yeah. uniquely yes. constructed sentences. I love that.
0: But yeah. but that doesn't mean that they're bad or that they're purple prose. What it means is my attention span is too short. You know <laughs> know I mean? Like, that's the problem. I need to read this more carefully. It's more a reflection of... So I think sometimes when we attack Purple Prose, we're attacking... Yeah. It's like ourselves.
1: Purple Prose is is a real thing, but I don't think it it really applies to most the Lovecraft stuff.
2: Yeah, not at all. And when I see modern uh, critics criticizing him on his actual writing, a lot of times it's more revelatory about their inability to appreciate good writing. Yeah, well like they want it to disappear so they can get into the story and it's like that's not sometimes you yeah. read the writing for the writing itself and that's actually really important
1: yeah because i didn't read lovecraft for a while even after i started playing call of cthulhu because i was i was in a freshman in high school and all my high school freshman friends and the group had already read a couple stories by him like he sucks it's boring it's no it's good. good and the
2: it's and so i was like
1: okay same and
2: I, same energy as the internet tough guys
1: Yeah, and then my senior year, I actually was like, oh, I I picked up some of those Del Rey ones, and I was like, this is really good
2: stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've reread The Mountains of Madness like seven or eight times in my life, and really, honestly, each time I get something even more horrifying out of it. Like,
1: I'll show you something after the podcast. but
2: uh, Oh, sexy. Yeah.
0: um, (laughs) (laughs) But I think, uh, yeah, to me, it's sort of like – I call it like the, the cult of the elements of style where oh yeah, it's like yeah. everything has to be the same and has to follow yes. all the, it's, and it's sort of like what happened in the eighties with movies where like yes. dialogue has to all be this way and efficient and the movie has to flow this way. And then yeah, every like, movie started to be boring and you know, they yeah. had to, so everything
1: yeah every movie now this needs to be banter yeah like banter oh
0: god yeah
2: (laughs) never-ending fucking banter
1: banter to minimize any tension the audience might be feeling about what's happening in this movie yeah
2: make sure to completely deflate every dramatic beat
0: because we've got to be snarky yeah yeah snark takes me out of a movie like unless it's a movie like this where it's like okay this is this is meant to be like there's like a little bit of Seinfeld going on in the movie. Do you know what I mean? There's like a little bit of that kind yeah, of. Yeah, their version of you know, Randolph
1: Carter is snarky. Yes. Yeah. That is one um, of his personality
0: traits. So. But there are a lot of movies now where characters who have no right to be snarky are being snarky and snappy. Yeah, who
1: and, wants snarky Captain America? Yeah.
0: yeah. So. <laughs> well, also, it's like normal people don't talk that way is the other problem. with Like, there's not that that, I don't know. Oh, it was fun
2: when it was fresh, when it was, like, in the first Clerks movie, yeah, or, or like, in Pulp Fiction, but, yeah. like, the era's past. Like, well, going but that, back but that's to also everything
1: different. is fashion. Purple Prose goes in and out of no, fashion. Snarky Dialogue goes in and out of fashion, and it's, uh... I wouldn't blame Clerks in Pulp Fiction for that, though, because those... I wouldn't blame them, no. No, no, not at great. all. They were great. I, uh, no, I, no blame is being cast their way. It's just... No, I'm saying those are good. That was when it The
2: opposite of blaming. Uh, but but there's a difference between a guy who pioneers clerks and the guy who is yeah. inspired by clerks and wants to do clerks. <laughs> yeah, clerks. yeah. It's like the
0: it's like the difference between pulp fiction and then all the people that imitated pulp fiction. Exactly. And it's,
2: um, yeah. Um, for all of his it, many faults, Joss Whedon can actually write very good snarky dialogue. But like if you're trying to write like him it doesn't it doesn't work
0: but also it's different yeah. because Quentin Tarantino knew why, why he was writing it that way like if you look at a scene like the scene where Jules goes in and kills those guys in the opening of Pulp Fiction yep. that's you can like like do a really in-depth analysis of that scene and like Man. every word that he chooses has like a purpose for making those guys feel lower and lower than him and there's like there's just a lot of like uh craft into the dialogue well, but
1: you I... knows how to contrast humor and horror yeah <laughs> at oh, the yeah. same time it's like Surprising yeah it's like your typical horror. marvel movie tends to use one to squash yeah. the other he he makes them both they they both become stronger because of that
0: well it's like we're being snappy because we have to because that's what you do do you know what yeah. i mean versus i'm doing this intentionally for a reason Mind. Yeah, he's cinematic creating an effect, So when,
1: when somebody gets shot, you're like, oh, man, you're suddenly yeah. <laughs> you were yeah. laughing and ha ha. This is funny. And oh, man, the guy's dead now.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I just, I just realized <laughs> he was probably inspired by Full Metal Jacket. Oh,
0: <laughs> like,
2: think about it, like the the,
0: which, the which scene in Full Metal Jacket, the, was... the
2: one where the sergeant is shrieking at everybody. And like, they're kind of like they're humming and awing about stuff and turning to a point. And everything he has is as directed as a knife to the face. It's like really specific, detailed, loud, certain. And like the contrast of that scene is a real similar energy.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's, that's I, I wouldn't have thought of that, but that, I mean, yeah, that,
2: just, that just sprung on me. Cause I was like, yeah. cause I was thinking about who has the same intensity that Sam Jackson has in that scene. And I was like, well, Arlie Army does. And then <laughs> I was like, Oh God, he does <gasps> <Yeah. laughs> light bulb moment.
0: <laughs> But uh, yeah, but anyway, I, I should...
1: like about doing talking to you guys and this, it's just like yeah, these, these thought, a lot of these thoughts just come to me. I'm like when I'm watching the movie, I didn't think of any of these clever things. But now I'm like, oh man, I've got all this great stuff to say about this movie.
0: So, but anyways, we should probably end it here. And um, yeah,
1: before I brag cool. about how wonderful everything I have to say is too much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, and uh, I think we're gonna do more Lovecraft if we can, right? Is that our, is that a, our a
1: month of Lovecraft was what you told me, and I'm holding already- Lovecraft
0: okay. April. Okay, is it? Yeah, I guess it's and it's yeah, we're, end of March into April, right? Lovecraft Lent, we'll call it, right? Oh yeah, Lovecraft. Lovecraft's Four Lent. weeks yeah. of Lovecraft. Yeah,
1: Yes, yeah, like Lovecraft Lent actually.
0: Yeah, that is. Uh, um, uh, all right, so we will let you go, and we will talk to you later.
1: Yeah.